You're listening to Comedy Central. December 18, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. My guest tonight is a rap icon who put out one of my favorite albums this year. Pusha T is here, everybody. Joining us on the show. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie, after his beef with Drake, I'm a little nervous to interview him because we've all seen what he can do to Light Skin Brothers. <laughs> but first, let's catch up on today's headlines. There's a ton of stuff in the news today. CBS announced it was firing Les Moonves without paying him his $120 million in severance. Uh, Japan has said it's getting back into the military game, building its first aircraft carrier since World War II. Yeah, so basically Japan is like Louis C.K. They're like, okay, we did something bad, but I think enough time has passed. Gotta get back in the game now. <laughs> and if you love weapons and the news of the Trump administration banning bump stocks has you sad, well, New York State is about to turn that frown upside down. A federal judge rules New York's statewide ban on nunchucks is unconstitutional under the Second Amendment. The ban on the martial arts weapon was adopted in 1974. There were fears the popularity of kung fu films would lead to criminals, especially young gang members, using nunchucks. Yes! <laughs> Do you hear that, people? Nunchucks are back, baby! Yeah! Back! Back! What? I feel like I'm 14 years old again. And go out and buy some nunchucks and then go home and masturbate furiously. <laughs> and all of this is happening thanks to the lawsuit of one very committed New Yorker. Kawabanga, dude. <laughs> Thank you. I will say, I will say, New York clearly has its priorities off. Like, it's taking forever to legalize weed, but nunchucks are now fair game. <laughs> Like, of all the cities in America, New York is the worst place to legalize nunchucks. Everyone is already highly strung, and now you're throwing in ninja tools? Like, subway fights are about to get real. Like, the only good thing about New York is that it's maybe too crowded to actually pull your arm out. So people are gonna be in the train like, man, if I had two, whew, if I had two feet, oh man, you, like you? Oh, you, oh, and you off, lady? I would be, oh, you, I swear to God, once this train clears out after Canal Street, I'm gonna kick all your ass. For now, I'm just gonna make the Bruce Lee sounds. <laughs> I will say though, like the one benefit of nunchucks is that it's the only weapon that hurts the user more than the victim. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it'd just be like someone mugging you, like, give me all your mug, give me all, ah, ah, give me all your, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, if I'm in a nunchuck mugging, there's a 50% chance that I'm walking away with his watch. I like that. <laughs> Moving on to some other news. By now, we all know about the gender wage gap between men and women. It's really the worst gap after the baby gap. Nothing in my size. <laughs> and today, today, the World Economic Forum released a study saying that the gender wage gap is going away. <laughs> yeah. In, in 202 years. <laughs> Sorry, I should have led with that part. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, let's be honest, is bad news for everyone who's alive today because it means at this rate, we won't live to see the gap close. 
All right, well, except for Jennifer Lopez, who's the only person aging slowly enough. Yeah, because in 200 years, she'll be like, what, 57, I think? <laughs> no, wait, 58, sorry, 58. Uh, moving on to some technology news, it turns out people hate it. People are slashing tires, throwing rocks, pointing guns at self-driving cars. People in Arizona have recorded 21 incidents of this in the past two years. Now, the Arizona Republic reports in other cases, people stood in front of the vehicles to prevent them from driving, yelled at them, chased them, and forced them off the road. It, uh, the article says people appear to be frustrated by uh, their presence. People are chasing and yelling at cars? I'm pretty sure this has less to do with self-driving cars and more to do with Arizona's meth problem. <laughs> because someone shouting at a car just sounds like a crazy guy who's seen Transformers way too many times. <laughs> He's like, hey, you Bumblebee? You Bumblebee? I know you're Bumblebee. Bumblebee, I know you're there. <laughs> I kind of understand it, though. It's got to mess with you when you have road rage, but then there's no one to direct it at. <laughs> You're just driving in your car, you're like, you cut me off, you inv invisible <laughs> asshole. You, you're not even here, piece of shit. You know what, man, I just throw a rock at you. Ah. <laughs> and finally, in headlines, the world's worst charity has closed its doors. President Trump will be closing down his charity, the Donald J. Trump Foundation. It was sued by New York's Attorney General over claims that Donald Trump's children abused its tax-exempt status and violated campaign finance laws. We have a tweet here from the New York State uh, AG Attorney General's office. The foundation functioned as little more than a checkbook to serve Mr. Trump's interests. Our lawsuit remains ongoing. That's right. Donald Trump's charity, which frequently spent money on Donald Trump, has been forced to shut down, which makes sense. I mean, if the beneficiary of the charity has become president, I think the charity has done its job. It's time to shut it down. <laughs> yeah, it's the same way all the people who used to send me a dollar when I was back in Africa stopped paying me when I became host of The Daily Show. It's done. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. And if you're saying, hey, Trevor, weren't you already successful before you got this job? What the f are you, Robert Mueller? Shut up. <laughs> Now, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I'm even shocked that Trump had a charity. I always thought the only Trump charity was the women who agreed to have sex with him, but... <laughs> but... <laughs> but this is real. This is real. And it turns out the Trump Foundation did a lot of shady shit that caught the eye of investigators. Like, when Trump used $12,000 from his charity to buy himself a helmet signed by Tim Tebow. <laughs> which is something even Tim Tebow wouldn't want. <laughs> and he even spent 10,000 charity dollars to buy a portrait of himself <laughs> to hang up in his own golf club. Yeah. I mean, at this point, the least the man can do is donate that painting to a child. Yeah, free nightmares for the rest of your life. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our main story. 2018 is almost over. But it feels like the whole country is still nursing a hangover from the 2016 presidential election. Trump is still obsessed with Hillary. Mueller is still investigating Trump. And Democrats are about to launch a slew of new investigations into his campaign. It feels like a billion years from now, just before the sun dies out, the last thing you will hear before the universe goes silent is, no collusion. <laughs> and then there'll be one more Avengers movie, and then it's over. <laughs> but now, over two years later, we're still learning about how deep the Russian rabbit hole goes. Russia's interference in the election is a serious thing, especially...
because they targeted one group in particular. This is really important what I'm about to tell you um, right now because there's new information. Two new reports commissioned by the Senate Intelligence Committee looked at data provided by Facebook, by Twitter and Google, uh, and they found that they were trying to suppress African-American votes. The Russians set up 30 Facebook pages targeting African-Americans, specifically 10 YouTube channels, 571 videos related to police violence against African-Americans. Some of these posts distorted the record of Hillary Clinton and former President Barack Obama. Facebook ads were targeted at users who had shown interest in particular topics, including Black History, the Black Panther Party, and Malcolm X. The Russian accounts used voter suppression tactics, encouraging black voters to stay home or vote for Jill Stein. Oh, man. That is so insulting for Jill Stein. <laughs> Even in Russia, they're like, stay home or vote for Jill Stein. It's same. <laughs> same thing, same thing. It's almost like the phrase, vote for Jill Stein, is this just the new way of saying waste of time, you know? <laughs> like, one kid is gonna be like, but dad, I wanna be a DJ. Be like, no son of mine is gonna vote for Jill Stein his life away, okay? <laughs> but that's right. It turns out the Russians spent a lot of effort specifically trying to convince black Americans not to vote. Like, look at this meme that they put out. This is a real meme that they found came from the Russians. And it says, before you vote, listen to MJ. All I wanna say is that they don't really care about us. And I feel bad for Michael. The man died 10 years ago, and now Vladimir Putin is using him as a propaganda tool? Like, if you told Michael Jackson that someday Russians would turn him into a meme to manipulate black people, you know what he would have said? He would have been like, what's a meme? <laughs> oh, kids like them? Show me how to make one. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> and what's crazy is that sometimes the Russians went way beyond just putting out memes. They actually convinced people to do stuff in the real world. One such operation convinced and paid martial arts instructor Omawale Adewale to run self-defense classes for African-Americans to, quote, protect your rights, let them know black power matters. They convinced you very easily, very, very easily. Some of the things were, you know, sketchy, but at the end of the day, it's still fitness. What I love about this guy is that for him and most fitness instructors, fitness just comes first, you know? It's like the Russians, he's like, yeah, but I mean, there was fitness. You know? You could say anything to a fitness instructor. You could be like, do you see what's happening in North Korea? They'd be like, man, those labor camps are disgusting. But you gotta admit, they're getting their steps in. They're getting their steps in. <laughs> For more on Russians reaching out to black Americans, we turn now to a real black American. Our very own Dulce Sloan, everybody. Dulce, I, I have to ask you, what do you make of this news? Trevor, I feel disgusted. I feel manipulated. And I feel special. <laughs> Russia could have gone after anyone. Latinos, Asians, millennials. But they said, we're going after the ones who count. Black people. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, some white people actually do think black lives matter. Well, well yeah, well, I, I hear what you're saying, but, but they were only paying attention so that they could manipulate the black vote. Yeah, but at least they're paying attention to us. The only time our president notices us is when he's fighting with LeBron James on Twitter. I mean, Trump probably thinks that Martin Luther King's last name is Boulevard.
while Trump's ignoring black people, Putin's been looking at us from across the bar this whole time. <laughs> I see you, Vlad. <laughs> On horseback with them tiny nipples. <laughs> How'd you get that horse in this club? Okay, okay, I get it, but... But doesn't it bother you that Russia only did this to suppress the black vote? Trevor, you know who else suppresses America's black vote? America. Have you been to Georgia? They made it impossible for some black people to vote. At least Putin gave us a choice. Plus, he's got that cute accent. He'd be like, beautiful brown woman. <laughs> I promise not to kill you. <laughs> Maybe. Ooh, I like danger. So, so wait, so what you're saying is, even though Russia interfered in the election and maybe helped Trump get elected, you're fine with it? Oh, no, I'm not saying I'm fine with it. I'm just saying I appreciate the effort. In order to do this, they sat down and got to know black Americans, our likes, our dislikes, our culture. Do you know how hard it must be for a Russian to understand amigos? <laughs> you have to learn English and then forget it. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of work I want my government to put in. Dulce Sloan, everybody! We'll be right back. My guest tonight is a legendary rapper whose latest album, Daytona, just received a Grammy nomination for Best Rap Album. Please welcome Pusha T. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks for having I'm me. I'm so glad to finally have you here. And most importantly, yes. congratulations on your Grammy nomination. Thank you, thank you. That is... Wow. I feel really good about that. Yeah? I feel super good you, about that. I, I know people say things, but you said about a year ago when the album came out, you're like, yo, I'm getting nominated for the Grammy and now it happened. Did you yes. will that into existence? Um, I, I knew it. Like, I, I honestly knew it. What, um, what, what, what was it about this album that made you feel like, yo, this is a Grammy nod? Man, um, we had the luxury of time. Is, which is why the album's entitled Daytona. That's my favorite watch, the Rolex Daytona. Right. And um, me and Kanye had the luxury of time. We really crafted it. We really just put our all into it. But we took our time. A lot of people have referred to you as your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. I am. <laughs> I am. Yeah, you, you, you're a lyricist. You, you, you yeah. create in a, in, a, in a really organic way, and it, it feels like, like hip-hop is meant to feel. You know what I'm saying? Yes. What's also interesting is <clears throat> you created an album that is shorter than most of the music we're used to now. Like, these days, people are making albums that are, like, 20 tracks long, and it's, like, an hour and a right. half, and it doesn't end. And you came in, and you were like, no, I'm gonna make it punchy, I'm gonna make it short, and I'm gonna make it fire. Was that a specific decision that you made to buck the trend, or was, was, were you just creating what you created? Definitely to buck the trend. Um, you know, a lot of people make long albums, and, you know, sometimes they have a lot to say, so they make long albums, or they make long albums so the streaming numbers, you know, go higher and right. it makes their sales bigger. And the music may be a little cheap. So, you know, just so people knew that we weren't playing those type of games, we made a, a shorter album, seven songs, straight to the point of all killer, no filler. Oh. <laughs> the, uh... The album has been met with, I mean, just resounding reviews from everyone. You yeah. Know, every, every, everyone from, you know, <laughs> hip-hop. Genuinely, it has. Like, I got the rap album of the year. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of people are saying that. A lot of people are saying that. And uh, you, your fans love you. I mean, this, this was next level. Last week, you lost your Cartier bracelet in the crowd. Yes. Right? And then 
one of your fans returned the bracelet to you. Yes. Such is, a great is, man. Is that a reflection of how good your music is or how lame your fans are? Which one is it? <laughs> I think he was just an honest guy. Right. I thought that was so amazing. But that's that love, he did though. That. Yeah. That's love, that though, right? You yeah. don't expect that to happen? Like no, 50, I remember I, when 50 was in, was it like Angola or something? Remember yeah. he went in the chain, he went in with his chain? Yeah. And then like you came, you were a gangster, <laughs> but you never cop nut, and then the chain was gone. <laughs> and that was it, the chain never came back. Right, right, it right. It was done. Right. Uh, but you got, you got it back, like th there's a special connection that you share with your fans. Do you think that as an artist, you've managed to maintain that sense of being underground whilst being commercially successful? Definitely. Um, you know, I, I say that, you know, I go out and I perform in front of 2,000 people, right? And to me, those are like the coolest 2,000 people in the world. Like, they are like, they, they tell me what to wear, they tell me what to buy, they tell me what's fresh. I learn everything from those guys. Um, now, I can go, you know, during festival season and we're doing 40, 50,000 people, but it's, it's something about those 2,000 right. that are just like really honed in and, and really, I, 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 don't, I don't call them fans, I call them family. That's amazing. It sounds like you're a fan of your fans. For sure. I like they that. They teach me everything. That's a, that's a different way to see it. Um, the album <clears throat> was powerful, not just because of the lyrics, yes. but also because of the music. Yes. But from the very beginning, it was met with controversy because the album cover was something that polarized so many people. On the album cover, you had the picture of the bathroom where Whitney Houston was found. And I mean, right. I remember when this came out, people were... No, people were, no. That's not the bathroom where she was found. That was just her home bathroom. Right, okay. Right. And so this was Whitney Houston's bathroom. Yes. And a lot of people were like, why? Why that imagery? Um, I felt like, um, you know, this image spoke to exactly what's going on on the album. It's organized chaos, it's, it's luxury, it's drugs, it's, um, it's just chaos. Do you, feel like, do you feel like you, you, you revel in that? Is that like a world? Because you, yes. you, you know what I find interesting about you is you never strike me as somebody who doesn't seem out of control. Yeah. And yet what you rap about is everything that's happening in the world that's beyond your control. Is that, is that, is that conscious? Is that who you are? 100%. I mean, I make luxury street rap. And, um, you know... That's fascinating. Luxury street rap. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna talk about everything. We're gonna talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the Benzes in jail, too. Wow. Talk about everything. You, you actually wrote a song when Meek Mill was in prison, and that's What Would Meek Do? Yeah, man, because I wish he was on that record. <laughs> what, what, what were you feeling like? like, like honestly, like, you, you see somebody like Meek Mill go to prison, and you know, a lot of the time people say about hip-hop or, or sports or whatever, especially as a black man in America, people go, I made it out. Right. You know, this is, this is a life I get to live so that I don't get trapped in the life that was destined for me in many ways. When you saw Meek in that situation, was there a part of it that touched you where you were like, that's like close to home? Totally, because Meek is one of my favorite rappers. And he's like a rapper that I've watched. I've watched him on DVDs. I've watched him just come up as a kid. He's, he was actually popping a wheelie in one of my first videos. Like when I first started. Right. He was just like a kid on a bike in the neighborhood. And we was like, yeah, do that wheelie. And he did it, right? <laughs> so um, so for, to watch him, watch his rise, um, see how great he is as a as an MC, and then him going through, you know, legal troubles for popping a willy. Actually, right. It, it was terrible, and then you know now now you see him now, and you know he's came out with his new album. It's hot, and it's it's through the roof. Everybody right. loves it, but it's like man, he he had to go through all of that just to get back to this point. It's amazing how it feels like <clears throat> the world that you've been as, in as Pusha T 
Yeah. You have been at the epicenter of hip-hop music and entertainment news over the past year. Yes. You know, you, we cannot speak about Pusha T without talking about the Drake beef. Yeah. You know, like, as soon as you sat down, the first thought I have in my head is, do I have a son that you want to tell me about, Pusha? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I, I just, I just wondered one thing, and, and that was, like, do, do you ever feel like... Like, do you feel like rap battles are something that uh, are still... Are they still relevant in today's rap culture? Or do you think that, like, people have lost, uh, like, a sense of what they were or what they're supposed to be? Because some people go, rap battles were around when, you know, when rap was, like, about shooting people. And now rap has changed in its image, and rap is now just... A, now it's like the battles are more about the flow and the lyrics, and people go, oh, but Pusha, you went into family. That's over the edge. But people go, but there is no edge in there, a rap there, battle. There, there is no edge in rap battles. Everybody has to stop that narrative. It's terrible. Right. They're, like, ruining the game. Um, you know... You know, in a, in a rap battle, it's 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 it's, it's doggy dog, right? And you just go for it. And um, it's about it's not so much always about lyricism. It's about just being scathing, and 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 getting a rise, getting a rise out of your opponent, right? Or or making them hush. You 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 did feel like it went to the next level though when you were at a concert in Canada. Yeah. And then like one of Drake's people or fans jumped onto the stage. I, I at don't that know who point, that was. I but don't at, know but who it was. At that point, do you think to yourself, all right, maybe rap beefs are not for me? <laughs> no, they're very much so for me. Right? <laughs> no, they're that, very much so I, for like, me. Like when, when you look totally. at this, when you look at this album though, when you look at a, like a, like a rap battle, what part of a rap battle informs how you make the music? Like, cause it, it's different disciplines, right? But at the same time, like, even in that clip we watched, it yeah. feels like you're battling. It's like a flow that you're going through. There's no, there's no beat that comes in yet. There's no, nothing is broken. It's just you rhyming, just, like, going through those bars, one, one, one rhyme after another. It feels like, is that what luxury street rap is? I mean, that's, that is just the criteria for my style of rhyme. Right. It's, it's always gonna feel combative. It's always gonna feel... You're always gonna feel that angst. You're always gonna get that message. Right. Um, not everybody's like that. Why do you think people connected with the album? Why do you think it's nominated for a Grammy? Um, because this... This is the purest rap album that people have had in a long, long time. And just to be honest, I mean, this is quintessential samples from Kanye West and lyric-driven hip-hop from Pusha T. The best rapper, best producer, that's the album of the year. Period. Before I let you go... Before I let you go, one of the headlines you made this year is you said, the Make America Great Again hat is this generation's Ku Klux Klan hood. But your friend... It's a powerful statement. Yeah. But as you said, your, your friend and collaborator, Kanye West, your business partner, he wears that hat with pride. He it's, doesn't anymore. He doesn't anymore? No. L let me ask he you stopped. this, honestly, as, as a friend, because, I mean... He we, stopped, though. Right, right, uh, he, he stopped. No, no, no. And I, okay. I want to talk to you about this as a, as a person. Okay. Huh? Is, like... Because we, we were talking about this on the show now. You see families where people argue about this. You see friends. We don't live in a world where everyone agrees on the same thing. Oh, and I don't think you can cut off friends for not agreeing with you. As somebody who has your beliefs, how do you even begin those conversations with somebody who you know connects with you on so many other things? Can you imagine having those conversations while he's trying to make my album? <laughs> like, he's, like, he basically has, you know, my life in his palm, and I have to tell him <laughs> that I hate something? Right. So we're, like, you know... It, it, it was... You know, we always have real conversations. Right, right, right. Always. And, um, 
I think that's why me and him connect so well, and I think that's why Daytona came out so well. Right. Because it's it's a give and take. If I don't like something, I say it, and he tries to correct it, and right. so on and so forth. And when you when you look at Kanye West now, you know one of the things we can't escape is the fact that he is a genius who is tormented by his mental health issues. And now now we've gotten to the point where we're realizing, oh, maybe it's not as much of a joke as people liked it to be. And he's right. come out and said, hey, I, I, I wanna talk about this. I wanna, I wanna get something done with this. In the hip hop community, it feels like mental health is not something anybody can speak about. Right. Do you think that's gonna change? Um, I hope so. I mean, I, I've been pretty ignorant to mental health as well. Um, just being honest, just growing up in my household, you know, man, I think my parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents, they went through it all. Right. So, you know, when you, uh, you know, uh, saying that somebody is crazy was just a word, you know, used loosely. Right. And, and, and mental health is something that nobody, you know, in coming up, when we were coming up, nobody just looked towards that. And um, now, in learning about it, yeah, you can, it's, it's a real, real thing. Well, I just want to say, man, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for making one of my favorite albums of the year. Congratulations you, on the Grammy nom. Thank you, thank you. So thank good you. to have you, man. Right. For real. Daytona is available now. Push your tea, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.